I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com Hello everyone and welcome to Podcast Horseman. Back in the 20s, we reviewed a very famous team. Welcome indeed to Podcast Horseman, the Bojack Horseman podcast, a spoiler-free episode-by-episode audio review podcast of the critically acclaimed Netflix series, Bojack Horseman. I'm a socially distanced Michael Hamflet. And I'm a socially distanced Adam Nicholas. And as always, you can call us the front of the plane because we are all business to begin with. If you'd like to follow this podcast on social media, you can do exactly that on Twitter or Instagram at Podcast Horseman. And you can also, if you'd like to, follow either of your hosts as well. You can follow me on Twitter at It's Adam Nicholas, or you can follow Michael Hamflit. At Michael Hamflit. Um, you can subscribe to Podcast Horseman through iTunes or Apple Podcasts. They ask you to follow if you take the update. I wouldn't recommend it. You can get us on Spotify where you can also follow. You can get us on Amazon Music where, bless them, you know, like it's my kid's birthday coming up. So I need to stay on the good side because I'm really relying on a few deliveries getting here on time. Um, and pretty much anywhere else you can find podcasts, including, we hope, on Podcast Addict. Did get a bit of feedback, suggest there was a couple of issues there. We did check it out online. Looks like they're there, but maybe update your apps, refresh, do whatever. But yes, generally speaking, if that's no good for you, you can find us streaming and all your favorite podcast services, including on Acast, where every Friday a new episode will go up on the app Podcast Horseman Twitter feed. That is available for you to stream, for you to subscribe, all that good stuff. And on any of the aforementioned where you can leave us a five-star review, we would love it if you did. Um, can be anything, can be something nasty, can be something nice. Any comments, any comments, queries, it's all good. It gets us up the charts, it fools the algorithms, and it gets more people talking themselves horse as horses I am today about that talking horse. And for the last season, you get one more chance to get a start on the Hollywood Talk of Fame. Get your feedback in now. You get uh, your feedback right out in an episode and you will get yourself a start through our socials. Go and check out the Instagram feed. Take a look at some of them lovely stars of the previous recipients. And another one is coming at the end of this episode. Indeed. And I'd like to say at this point that talking yourself horse about a talking horse <laughs> is just is more rather than just some tagline. But I'm not sure I can do that because you definitely <laughs> didn't do this while going and talking about a talking horse. We all know you were out enjoying yourself being back in the real world, which is a good thing. We're all mm. for it. Did you have a nice time, more importantly? You know, I really did. This podcast, as we always say at the start, is still, regrettably, due to our various circumstances, socially distanced. But needless to say, I was not at the weekend, and I very, very much enjoyed it. Both myself and Adam Nicholas are, would we consider ourselves gig aficionados? We certainly like to chuck a load of money at live music. so, yeah. And... <laughs> uh, 
it's been lovely to see everybody get all their things back brick by brick as the world has gradually returned to normal uh, and i just had to wait a little bit longer for mine and it was absolutely very much worth the wait shout out to goldie looking shane um for being <laughs> everyone's got yeah. the first one back and it wasn't the one i expected but that thing was postponed twice so even the band themselves were talking like they might not ever get to do this gig and there was that general lovely sense in the building very very nice indeed recommended go and do the thing you love if you can because it's absolutely worth your time and your money absolutely do the thing you love and while we're on it why not a shout out as well to Stephen Fretwell who was my mm. first gig back over in Manchester at the night and day cafe and what a great gig it was but you didn't come here to talk about bands and music and gigs you came here to talk about and listen to people talk about everybody's favorite talking horse and to assure that none of us have the face of depression in the future Michael hey, hey, hey. this is what happens very when nice all of your good things start to come back in this world. <laughs> Let's go to Netflix, shall we, for the synopsis for this week's episode, season six, episode seven. I have been looking forward to this one very much. The episode is called The Face of Depression. Bojack travels around the country reconnecting with loved ones, while Mr. Peanut Butter embarks on his own national tour as the face of depression. That is right. Birthday dad, sad dog, and now... <laughs> The face of depression. Indeed, yeah. Um, we're six seasons into Bojack Horseman. We're halfway through a season. Um, and an episode is entitled The Face of Depression. So it's not much of a surprise to hear that dreaded, solemn piano tone kick us off as we get the view of Bojack's house that we often see as the credits roll. Um, but of course, this is where we last left Bojack. He was taking that long, deep sigh and unlocking the door as he was about to re-enter his old life, having left pastiches and indeed leaving Dr. Champ behind in Partridges. But the tune lilts upward slightly. Um, we find Bojack in the house, cleaning up the physical wreckage that his life left behind as he relives the mental wreckages of the past. You've got all the various awful things, the awful experiences that he's gone through with various characters that took place in different parts of that house. He's kind of relived, you've seen the kind of the ghost style animation of those moments that he's having to suffer through. Um, he then gets out in his car for a drive. It's a fairly, I would say, quite iconic shot in the show's history of Bojack with the aviators on and the reflection of Hollywood looking back at him as he's in, these, in his soft top convertible. But again, things are different. He might be driving past the observatory, past the foot, past the posters on the wall that say Filbert cancelled forever. But those are in the past and Bojack is in the present. And his present is Alcoholics Anonymous. That's where he's going. He's uh, gone to the meeting. It's another attempt to build on the successes he found in pastiches. And everything is great. Apart from the fact that when he gets there, the only food available is honeydew. We get an interrupted, God damn it, as the real credits roll and we'll just touch briefly on the opening scene because it takes us right back to where that one ends um he's obviously not bothered to get anything to eat but he sees uh sharona in alcoholics anonymous he puts two and two together the hair is a different color but the tattoos are the same and he realizes quite quickly that she's in the same service that he is now using this takes us directly into a flashback that transports us to just after um bojack had had that conversation about who it was that had given sarah lynn the booze that day on set on horse and around uh, and he's basically angrily kind of forcing it on Sharona, kind of gaslighting her, he's guilting her into taking the fall for it. Um, she's just got to take the heat. Uh, she doesn't really want to do it. She, He says that he can get her a job on coach and that things are going to be all right, but she 
as a woman in Hollywood knows that it's just simply not as easy as that. I guess it was Hollywood at the time. So she says, quote, what if I say no? He responds straight away with, quote, nobody is asking you, Sharona. He's telling her it's going to be on her. Uh, Bojack is shaken out of the flashback by the counsellor referring to him by name. <laughs> she then catches herself and realises that they've got to pretend they're all anonymous. She does apologise and he goes along with the I'm Bojack and I'm an alcoholic. He is an alcoholic, but he is not anonymous. Um, we'll go back to A shortly, but what did you make of the uh, the big payoff, I guess, to Bojack going through the front door of his house, finally, and our first trip with him to A? We were always going to be curious about what was going to be on the other side of that door, weren't we? It's been so long since we've been in Bojack's house. Christ, it feels like forever. And you've got to be honest, you were you were kind of trepidatious because it's a bad place. It's got a lot of bad memories attached to it. And I think they really handled quite well just how places, people and things can trigger people um, after you've been through something like therapy or after you've had, you know, uh, traumatic moments that have happened in your life in a certain area, things can bring back these memories. And they've really nicely sort of animated all that within the beginning of the episode. But there's this defiance, isn't there? There's a real defiance mm. in Bojack's uh, demeanour. Instead of letting it overwhelm him or, you know, I think it's important that he goes through these steps. You can see he's kind of, he's feeling each one of them, but he's feeling like he has to almost, like he's not shying away from these as horrible as they are. And then he kind of decides, no, like, I feel a bit funny here, so I'm going to take control again, gets in the car, and obviously heads off to the AA meeting where he feels like he needs to go just to reset the clock a little bit. And, um, yeah, I kind of, as hot as, you know, as awful as it is to see all this, I really like that they gave us that because yeah. it's important to show that he, did, he didn't just walk into pastiches and walk out and everything's great and fine now. This is, mm-hmm. this is the day-to-day battle that he's going to have probably for the rest of his life. I often um, think of Russell Brand for some reason. We know there must be countless celebrities that use uh, the various narcotics, alcoholics, anonymous, whatever. Um, Those services the world over, brilliant as they obviously are for people. Um, And I I think him for two reasons. One, because he is an impossibly ostentatious human being. And it is amusing to me, I guess, sort of darkly to think of him in an Alcoholics Anonymous meeting where everybody has got to try and be anonymous and then for the benefit of everybody else just be that person he's just going to be hi I'm Russell I'm Alcoholic but also the fact that he says he continues to go to those because if he could he would give everything up for one more hit and I like I don't know getting told that from an addict that has come to terms with Mm. being an addict and knowing that he leads a very privileged life this is not a a Russell Brand thing or whatever your sort of opinions are on him, neither here nor there. It's just the fact that we know he lives this fairly safe, secure and privileged celebrity existence of significant wealth as well. And yet an addict is an addict and he is open enough to say, I would drop it all for the feelings that drugs and alcohol gave me. And that's why he uses the service. And I think you're right. I think to sort of identify that for all the success stories it must have created. That's the cliche, isn't it? Uh, but it can't not be true. If you're an alcoholic, you're an alcoholic forever you were never fixed. So you need things like this to help you stay on track. Yeah. And I think that's often glossed over quite frequently. There is not, a, it's not necessarily a cure, is it? There isn't like mm. a, it's not just some switch you walk in and turn off. It's something you have to literally work up. Where's our baboon, Michael? Where is he telling us? <laughs> it's uh, it's not easy, but every day it gets a little easier. Uh, mm. Oh no. 
What is it? You just got to work at it every day. Look how good, how good of a podcast this is. We've forgotten one of the most <laughs> iconic moments in Bojack Horseman history. <laughs> that guy was there in the in our, when we were doing this review in the guts of the pandemic when we needed him most. I think every true. day it just gets a little bit easier, yeah. but you've got to yeah. do it every, every day. day. There you go. That's why you, I knew I kept you around for some reason. <laughs> there you go. Um, we find Bojack later in the day back in rehab. Um, he's trying to get Sharona's attention obviously, as you would, having seen what's taking place in the flashback, but he receives only a very cold, excuse me, as she sort of just brushes past him and goes to leave. Um, so he instead cut to him with Todd at the diner um, in their usual seat in the booth. Todd's taking new selfies for um, a new profile picture for his asexual app that are identical to his old one, but he thinks that might be why he's not getting any matches or not getting any dates, of course, you know, <laughs> as of yet, seemingly nobody else on the app. He does a side-by-side of his new fo- of his new face with his old profile picture. Absolutely identical. It's a cute gag. Um, but he's uh, talking about his experiences with Ruthie, how he's still absolutely loving it. He's telling Bojack that there's something perfect about a baby because they're so untainted by life um and then he kind of starts to contemplate if his mother ever possibly thought that about him and they both land albeit in very different ways on quote mums are weird mm. uh, Jack kind of replies as if he wants Todd <laughs> to remember his own experiences but yeah. he's, he's, he's past the need to kind of have that fight with him um Bojack notes that a stewardess in his AA meeting said that she wakes up somewhere different every day. Uh, and he likes the sound of that. And he thinks that's his plan going forward. Todd, in response, corrects him, saying that preferred term for Stuart is a quote, <laughs> flight servant. Close <laughs> Um The first I would classify shot as being gorgeous of several in this episode is next. It's Bojack back in the airport, ready to follow through on his plan, in front of a loaded departures board. So many cities, so many states, America, indeed, probably the world, looks his oyster. Um, Bojack stops off at a, um, I'm going to tread on your toes here slightly, a Cinnabonny, which is Mm -hmm. obviously Bojack World's Cinnabon, um, and he stops off for a Cinnabonny and a coffee, and has a rather strange exchange with the, uh, the rabbit person, who's serving him behind the counter. She's kind of almost like working through a bit as if she's breaking up with him. It's all very dramatic. You know, you wonder if perhaps she's doing a bit of improv, a bit of an acting student, but it's more than just an exchange of a cinnamon and coffee. More on that a little bit later. Mm. Um, and we're going to go now to Diane briefly. We'll, of course, catch you up on everything that's been going on in her episode. But we find her, of course, in her apartment in Chicago, watching television alone in the dark. Uh, guy is away. We will come to that. But her doorbell rings and it's Bojack as Illinois flashes on the screen as Bojack's first destination of the several he will visit in this episode. Um, He's obviously taking his first flight to Chicago. Um, She is pleased to see him, but shocked and looks upon her living room, which is the first time we see a bit of light shining from the television on it. And it is a bit of a state, safe to say, just rubbish and pizza boxes everywhere. and she lies and says the heat is broken. Probably best thing to go out for a walk instead. <laughs> so um, it's obviously very late. They're in the they're in the coast. They're freezing cold. So they stop off at Palmadillos to have a bit of a chat. She says she's fine. Um, she's trying to explain about this about her book and how things are absolutely fine. Bojack very clearly doesn't believe her. Uh, and when he asks if it's okay to crash, she screams no as uh, quick as possible. Uh, the, the mere prospect of him seeing how she's been living. But sure enough, we cut to the apartment anyway. They're in the mess. And she admits to Bojack that she might be depressed. Um, she doesn't want to take antidepressants. She thinks that Guy will break up with the version of her that takes them. Um, 
Bojack takes a second to recount what Dr. Champ said to him, as of course they were parting ways, not good words, but words that have at least stuck with him, about how um, Bojack is still this broken person and the people that come into contact with him will be broken by him. But he doesn't buy that anymore, and he thinks that treatment has helped him realise what Todd and others have said to him in the past about, you, you know, you're not just defined by one set of actions forever. But by learning this, he realizes that Diane is such a big part of that. He's come to Chicago, not just to see her, but to thank her. She's the one that was able to help him and indeed help him to get help. And he just wants to pass that on to her. And I guess a little bit, pay it forward and pay it back because he wants to help Diane a little bit. And he does. There's a nice thing. He crashes on a couch and then we see a little passage of time to waking up in the morning. And before Diane's got up, he splits the room for her. He just cleaned it all up. He's left it nice. Bojack Horseman has left Diane in a better position than she was when he arrived. Um, trying to flip the dynamics of all his interpersonal relationships, perish the thought. Um, it's freezing when he leaves. So he does um, take a little scarf off the, the coat hook. He doesn't take Diane's lovely green winter coat variant, but he does take a scarf. And I'd say he looks quite scholarly in that scarf as well. Um, we're going to get Bojack interacting with characters that we had with Todd and Diane. There are separate plots to touch on that we will do at the end. But what are your sort of early thoughts as we approach much more of this? I think I can sense some of them. You're a man that knows and indeed practices in the ways of great art. And there is some lovely art in the shots of this show. The way that the cities are presented, that first stunning shot of him in front of the departures, almost better than looking out on like a sea view that you would typically get to show the scale and the size of the world. This episode sort of luxuriates in the beauty shots, doesn't it? They've really, there's a reason this is one of my favourite episodes of this mm. show, and it's because of that, for starters. The attention to detail that goes into this episode in terms of trying to make you feel that that very familiar feeling that you get when you're watching, you know, I don't, I don't think coming-of-age films is, is the correct term, but it's that idea, that feeling of, like, you know, those... There's a moment happening in somebody's life and you are kind of along for the journey as you're watching it unfold, and immediately from the second you see that first title card that says, like, Illinois, as Bojack mm. turns up with Diane's, you probably notice that that's something you're not going to... You don't normally see it so much in Bojack Horseman, but it no. tells you that... They're specifically telling you this, even though we already know because he's going to be on the move as he's inspired by the uh, stewardess he was talking about. And it can't, you can't help but get excited at this prospect. We've got yeah. this new revitalised feeling Bojack who wants to go and see people and wants to go and check some boxes that he feels like he needs to check. You know, he doesn't want to be in his house. So where do you go? You go and see the people that you love and the people, certainly the people who are close to you in uh, Bojack's world. But the way they sort of they use the city, for starters, the travel to Chicago to give you some of that the stunning, like it's I guess the composition of these shots really for like mm. for the animation and stuff, but it's just great. And they've really they've steal a bunch from cinema in this episode in particular. And I love it because it really does it just fits it so well. It fits the mood that they're trying to get in this episode so goddamn well. The mood is a spot on mm. term, I would think, for this it's, one. And like the mood is good, fundamentally. The mood well. is good. Hopeful, uh, the mood, hopeful. It's, it's the sort of extreme attention to detail and a mood and a feeling that you get. For me, the last one I remember that really hit me like that was Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, ironically, uh, Quentin Tarantino's <laughs> latest film. Um, 
that exact thing. I could sit in that world for three hours and three hours more and three hours more if I had to because I just love it so much. And that's what we're getting here. The building, this little feeling, this mood, this something's different, Michael. Something's different. Mm. It is. Um, it is nice. And I think like there's not always enough nice in Bojack because, of course, it's a reflection of a very difficult life and there's not mm. been a lot of nice to find. But he's going to find some nice here because his next stop, again, through the awesome graphic, Connecticut. And it's Hollyhock who greets him gleefully at the airport with a great cuddle. And notably, he's able to hug back in a way that we know is significant because we've seen him grapple with that body language situation that personal space situation it's almost like he doesn't want to break down a barrier between the two of them on the off chance that he ruins it but he does go in for it this time because she's just thrilled to see him she's absolutely buzzed but notes that she does already have plans with her friend tawny because it was such short notice that bojack was obviously coming uh, Tony's in the back of the car which is I feel like a gag they've done a lot before on bojack where it's normally been todd who is the friend in the back mm. of the car playing the surprise um they're in the middle of an argument, but they've agreed to go to this thing together. It's um, like an experimental EDM gig uh, that Bojack feels too old for. Um, but Hollyhock admits that she doesn't really like it there either. But it's what Tony's into. Bojack questions, well, if you're fighting, why have you come with her? And Hollyhock makes a clear distinction that just because they're in the middle of a fight, it doesn't mean that she doesn't care about her. Tony's going through a tough time, as it turns out, is because... Um, Wesleyan have cancelled all the drama classes. The uh, the acting professor has quit um, because he's got a job in a commercial. And again, I like the idea of such like disastrous consequences of one vain man getting one crappy job and all the people have lost out. In this case, a young female student as well. There's there's always a comment to be made. Can I just point out as well? He leaves. I'm sure he leaves for a role in a in a commercial, doesn't he? Like a low. Yeah. It just very specifically says it's a role in like a low end commercial. Yes. How can you leave a job for the, <laughs> for a commercial? It's like a one hit and done, which is incredible. Like it goes to tell you, there's a great big commentary here on that kind of rat race in the world of Hollywood, like for wanting jobs in those in those areas, but also as you say, one one two. I just want to go and live his dreams. And just completely disregarding the fact that these <laughs> other people are dramatically, both literally and figuratively, relying on him to be there. <laughs> and it's almost like the implication is that he'll probably make a massive success of it and just get to leapfrog a load of other people because that's what we've seen of the men in hot light. Opportunity will fall his way as a result of taking this one crappy role at lots of young people's expense. Um, so yeah, the acting professor's gone. She's pretty down in the dumps and she's gone to the gig for her. Um, but part of this problem is that by having to change her major, she's kind of like took it out on Hollyhock a little bit. She's a bit temperamental and it's part of the problem. Um, Bojack, meanwhile, uh, has kind of like maybe spied a bit of an opportunity here. He asks if they need a replacement on the drama course. Um, Hollyhock doesn't really know. But uh, in the meantime, uh, she and Tony go to thrash out their issues together. They've got patience, they've got diplomacy, they listen to each other, they try and understand. Well, Jack believes it's going to be a teachable moment for him, um, but he's kind of tone deaf to what they're actually saying to each other and they address it without need. He puts himself physically in the middle of them <laughs> as if he's mediating, but they're not remotely listening to what he has to say because his input, to be fair, isn't worthwhile. They fix this on their own. Uh, Hollyhock just wants Tony to be the person that can apologise for when she's done her wrong, and she understands that, listens, and does it. They go off to dance the music together. They call Bojack over, who, though he's clearly uncomfortable, gets involved with it for Hollyhock's benefit. They're having a nice time together. He's saying he wants to go somewhere hot next because he's sick of being in cold climates, 
um, just not back to California. They pitch Florida and Arizona. So he settles for California, which is the next graphic that comes back up. Uh, again, yet again, a really lovely visual. Um, as the text is on the screen, he's kind of listlessly trundling along on one of those moving walkways you get in an airport. It's visually really great, but also it's one of the first points in the episode that Bojack, with this plan, isn't looking particularly thrilled. It kind of looks like everything is forcing him in back into Hollywood and back into the life he's trying to walk away from without him having much control over it. Even the ground beneath his feet is moving him towards it. He's not being the one kind of like taking any control. Um, he has yet another odd interaction with the, um, the girl serving at Cinnabunny. Um, again, more on that still to come. Um, he rocks up next at Princess Carolyn's with a, quote, baby shower gift that is the painting of his from his office of himself drowning in the water as another version of himself looks down. <laughs> we get some absolutely vintage Bojack Horseman dialogue and the Bojack Horseman script in here. Um, where Princess Carolyn analyzes the painting as textbook narcissist behavior, which Bojack replies immediately with, quote, narcissist, I thought the painting was all about me, but enough about your baby, I also have a favor to ask. <laughs> just, uh, in this episode of Bojack making grand changes and trying to help people rather than hinder them, Princess Carolyn thinks he's just here to kind of use and abuse her once again, but it's maybe not the case this time. Um, the favor he has to ask is about the Wesleyan job. Um, he asks Princess Carolyn if she'll do a reference for him, um, but of course that she'll lie, not tell the truth. Um, in the meantime, Ruthie gets up and walks. Bojack is shocked at this. He at first misinterprets Princess Carolyn's emotional <laughs> response to it, being that she's not a very good walker, but she'll get better. But obviously Princess Carolyn is just thrilled to see it, but, but slightly concerned as a mother that she's going to miss too many of these milestones because work is dominant. Um, Bojack here turns the whole thing around to be a bit more like the interactions he's had with Diane and Todd uh, thus far, and Hollyhock as well, obviously, thus far. Um, he puts over just how great Princess Carolyn has always been in a way that we all know, but he's taken far too long to properly acknowledge. Um, tells her to get somebody to deal with her stupid BS because, quote, she needs a Princess Carolyn of her own. Couldn't agree more. I think she might find one this episode. Um, we go to, <laughs> we are introduced to Dean Scrooshyface at Wesleyan. I look forward <laughs> to your takes on her a little bit later on in your section. Um, delightfully clumsy representative of Wesleyan, um, but Bojack's chasing her up because he really wants this job. Um, she notes that there's some other candidates, including Raven Simone, uh, which of course gives us Bojack saying, that's so like her. Um because it would be a waste not to do that gag, wouldn't it? But we go back to Alcoholics Anonymous, where Bojack has noted his house is reminding him way too much of his old life, uh, worries he can't fully change as long as he's in there. And after they've had the meeting, um, while he's getting some food, Sharona finally comes up to him, doesn't want him to keep giving her the sad eyes look every time they kind of meet eyes across the room. She doesn't really want that anymore, but she does at long last finally allow him to properly and profoundly apologize he is just in his words quote so so sorry i'm sorry i'm sorry it seems like a big moment between the two and then it feels sinister for just a split second she says quote once more for old time's sakes and they go to his house and she cuts his hair take a breather there is no drink there is no drugs there is no sex it could have been all those things but it is actually quite a sweet moment between the two um it turns out in a bit of a revelation here, Bojack dyes his hair. 
she gives him a little bit of stick for this. Um, he tries to play it down, obviously, but she's shortened it and it actually looks quite smart. Um, he again is blessed with having that, like I was going to say, silver fox. I suppose it's more of a silver horse look, but it's uh, <laughs> it's that like it's that grey and look that almost like complements him and makes him what they always say. It's like men are blessed with getting to look distinguished through grey hair, where women are judged for having it. It's yet another one of them unfair things, but it applies here yet again. Um, it's all contributing to this, obviously, another aesthetic change for Bojack, along with the uh, the scarf that he's taken to liking. He gets a call from Teen Scroogey Face um, <laughs> to update him that, quote, Raven, nevermore. She is out of the running. Um, so can Bojack get there for spring semester? Things are going really well. He is given something out to the world and he appears to be getting a little bit back in return. Um, just really briefly, and then we'll take another pause. Uh, he's once again back at the airport, once again with the, uh, the Cinnabony staffer, Maud, and he's witnessed this time to her breaking up with her boyfriend, who absolutely can't comprehend with the breakup unless she puts it down to being a, quote, Jesus thing. His vanity and his ego will not take it any other way. Um, as soon as he walks away, she quickly confirms to Bojack that it's not a Jesus thing, which Bojack can obviously see as well. Um, and Bojack, without wanting to presume anything, advises her of an app she might like. I think we know what that might be, but we're going to get the confirmation later anyway. Bojack, putting good vibes out, getting good vibes back, unintentionally making changes to his physical appearance as he tries to fix his you know, mental health and as he tries to stay away from the bad habits and away from the places that he associates with the bad habits. Um, there's an efficiency to this episode's plot in the way it moves, but I feel like, is that there to mirror Bojack's own attempts to just take that responsibility and do rather than talk the good game and not really act? I think so. I think that him trying to move forward, knowing that it's the only direction that he should go anymore is feels important. There's a lot of that in this episode. Bojack moving forward. Bojack moving to somewhere. What's next? How to get on with how to get on with things at the end of the day. He's having to adapt to a life he's just not used to, is he? Like this is all untrodden territory for him, isn't it? <laughs> that work, that'll do. Um, the road less trod on. <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah, like I think it's a really nice way to do this because you know, they also get the they get the kind of play along with the sitcom factor of, you know, he's popping to the new city and you start to, you start to pick up on the elements. He's grabbed the scarf, he's got the haircut. We can mm -hmm. see there's a transformation happening here. It's like mm -hmm. Mr. Peanut Butter's old teacher, isn't he? Ski teacher. He's going to be heading into a cocoon yes. suit, yes. and all of a sudden, we're going to see this new beautiful butterfly of a horse come out. <laughs> God, there's some crossover for you. Um, more on that later. But the um. The way they do this, though, is, is really great. It doesn't feel forced for me personally. It feels really nice, really like that feel-good factor I keep talking about. It's mm. a real mood. It's a proper mood, this. And I'm not going to lie to you, man. Really, really big fan of grey-haired Bojack. Like, and yes. the scarf is a good look. It's all starting to come together for him. But nature is healing, I guess, in a weird way, mm. um, whether he knows it or not. And him just... It's almost like him just taking those first steps is what he needed to do. Yeah, it is. It's I, I keep going back to it. I wish I had a better word, but yeah, there's a just a nice vibe to the whole thing. Um, mm -hmm. And again, with it being Bojack, you never want it to um, 
you never want him to veer and you never want it to something to come up to go wrong. So I think particularly in the Madras and Sharona thing, they've given you a flashback and typically those episodes don't go well for Bojack. Mm. But this is one where he's actually been able to address it head on. And again, even that little twist of one more, it's almost like one more for the road. You think, oh, they're going to drink and screw. And then they don't. It's just a, a sweet moment between them instead. So it's for her as much as it is for him. So on the flight um, to Connecticut that is going via Dallas, uh, the plane has to make an emergency landing in uh, Washington, D.C., um, and he's going to need new clothes. Two people spill coffee on him as the plane is going to land. Ketchup and mustard are squirted on him from something off screen, um, and the airline loses his luggage. So he's got a real clothing situation, and we see him getting fitted for a new shirt and jacket that goes with the scarf and with the hair, as you say. It's kind of completed something um, in terms of a transformation for him. He goes to get a selfie outside the Capitol building, um, and he finds a comment underneath straight away from Mr. Peanut Butter saying, look behind you. He does that, and Peanut Butter is there. Um, it turns out that he's in town to address Congress as the national face of depression. Uh, much more on that later. Uh, but no time for that, as he wants to take him to show, he wants to take Bojack to show him something very special. It's the sweater from horsing around in the museum. We'd heard about this before, and now Bojack gets to see it in the flesh. It's a nice moment for him where it's only very brief, but he kind of acknowledges that oh, this is pretty cool, and he feels like maybe he's contributed something. And classic bojack pullback and reveal gag shows his sweater next to the full complete original <laughs> kitchen set from mr peanut butter's house lovingly restored in this full room of the museum but that's not all bojack says to mr peanut butter quote looks like you finally got your crossover episode oh my word mr peanut butter cannot believe it um he has to double check with Bojack that this is really happening. Bojack <laughs> nods and smiles. There's finally this almost like this brotherly kinship between the two. And he's just going to go along with it. He's just going to do a nice thing because it's all Peanut Butter ever wanted. Peanut Butter screws it up immediately because he wants Bojack, to, <laughs> wants Bojack to enter in through the door and then closes the door in his face. So Bojack has to enter from behind it instead. And you've already got this feeling like, you're going to ruin this, Peanut Butter. You're going to ruin it. And he doesn't really recover it from there. He walks in, they sit together at the table, they go through this sort of semi-improv bit that they've obviously discussed before about how the, the groups of children, the adopted kids, would make friends in the same school in the world of this universe where these shows can coexist together. And let's be honest, they're hack pieces of garbage, of course they can. But Mr Peanut Butter cannot get through a single line without breaking down. He admits to being completely overwhelmed. He says, quote, this is the best day. And then proceeds to sob and weep openly while Bojack doesn't really know what to do with himself. And another visitor that has now come to view the exhibition in the museum turns to their friend and says, uh, oh yeah, that's okay, he's the new face of depression. <laughs> so that sort of justifies Mr Peanut Butter's sorry state at this dining table. I feel like I'm robbing you of an opportunity to enjoy this if we don't take a quick pause there. Because tremendous, cool thing to do in your last season. So this exists as fan service. He gets the crossover episode. It's the ultimate bone that Bojack could throw this dog. Um, it's the nice thing of all nice things. And it's really quite something to see Mr. Peanut Butter not be able to make the most of it through sheer shock and awe and tear-soaked confusion. To quote an excellent theme song for a clearly excellent TV show, Michael. Nick knack Bojack, give a dog a bone. <laughs> Which is exactly what he's given 
poor old Mr. Peanut Butter, Mr. Peanut Butter, who just wasn't ready for it. What a payoff. I mean, mm. like, you you know, I told you, I've been telling you all since like two weeks ago, this is one of my favorite episodes because of the little attention to detail that they give us in this episode. We got a number of little payoffs and a little of a number of resolutions and little things that happened that we kind of waited or thought about maybe seeing one day down the line. And this is one of the best from this episode, in fairness. This is lovely, lovely stuff. But Peanut Butter, he's waiting for this his whole life and wasn't <laughs> given enough notice. And it, it's just, ru- he hasn't ruined it. Do you know what it is? I don't even think it's fair to say he ruined it because you think he's just enjoying it so much. It's just mm-hmm. a wonderful, wonderful moment. The fact that they even put it in there to show you just how much Bojack's come, how far Bojack's come, rather. Yeah. Like, that he will sit down and give this dog, this annoying, overly happy, overly positive <laughs> dog, this thing that he's wanted and made jokes about since the literal first episode of this t- this show, I believe. <laughs> amazing. Absolutely amazing. What is this? An excellent episode? You're goddamn right it is. <laughs> um, having already made some history with Mr. Peanut Butter, he goes to experience some history. He's got a little bit of time left to kill in the nation's capital, so he goes to Old Town Horseburg. It's one of those historical reenactment village tourist attraction type places, but everything is themed curiously around horses. So it's a relatively recent American history as told through the eyes of horses that lived through it. It's, again, one of those things that Bojack can play with in its yeah. own. The context of his own universe, I suppose. Um, he goes to an oldie-worldie church service, which is mostly performative. Um, but when the priest figure at the front um, talks about forgiveness and solace, uh, he invites the both the actors and the other, I guess, tourists in the room to all turn to the person next to them and say, peace be with you, um, peace be with you, peace be with you, and so on. And Bojack says it so often to so many people and has it said back to him that it seems to work. It seems to have, as if he'd been in our real church, having that real experience with people. Um, the priest cast member goes past him uh, and says that he can see this too. It seems to have had a really positive effect on him. Um, and if he wants, he can hang around because in 30 minutes they start over again, which itself feels like kind of a reference to what we were talking about before, like the important repetition of things like alcoholic and Alcoholics Anonymous, uh, best practice the good behavior all that sort of stuff it's the indeed you know the baboon running up the hill in this case it's 30 minutes in this in the next case it's tomorrow you've kind of got to keep doing that thing over and over again and indeed 30 minutes a single episode of a show like bojack horseman um we end with a exterior shot of the church and i should point out this last scene has played out to uh, take me down easy, which soundtracks the like a closing montage of the other characters, which we'll kind of touch on shortly. And it's with that sense of peace, no shock, no cliffhanger, no um, twist, no nothing really, other than I suppose to go back to the word that they've used, solace, the episode comes to an end. It certainly does. And what a lovely, lovely end it is. Unheard of, absolutely unheard <laughs> of, I think it's fair to say. Uh, of course, ending on the lovely tones you said, of course, um, by James Henry Jr., of course, who does that song. Um, Take Me Down Easy, yeah? That, that's the mm. tune. Take yeah. Me Down Easy. Um, yeah, just, uh, we're going to keep saying this phrase, but it's hard not to say it. It's a feeling, it's a moment, it's a mood, this whole episode. And it's just nice, like, mm. to see this horse we've t- watched for ages try to be well, allegedly try to be better and fail miserably. 
And it's happening, Michael. It's really happening. It is. I, th- I think that's it. I think I don't think they want you, whatever you felt previously, in this episode at least, in this 30 minutes, before you go to the next 30 minutes, I guess. Um, they don't want you to think anything but good things about the, the separate trips Bojack has taken. And we're gonna what's interesting, I think, is um we're gonna obviously move on shortly to talk about the I don't want to really call them B, C's, D's and E's. You can touch on each character once and then it's as much to do with their interaction with Bojack as anything else. But I guess he has the sort of, for every character, their time with him is a turning point for all of them. And we're going to get to them one by one, but um, it's pretty cool by the end of that montage to see in such a short space what a man with his reach and influence, like what a profoundly positive effect he can have. And it almost makes you sad that more people with that don't use it for good. Unfortunately, the cliched story is what we've had in the past six seasons and five episodes or whatever it is of Bojack Horseman, rather than this one 30-minute stint, because that is the power that these men hold, and they could do more of this if and when they choose and want to do. The horsepower. You might oh, say. Oh, I might, but I didn't, and you did, and you deserve credit for that. There you go. That's what I'm here for. Every time you don't get it, I'll put it in the back of the net. That was a horse powerhouse. Um, <laughs> shall we go back a little bit to Diane and Guy? Because we've seen Diane come to terms with the fact that she thinks she has depression as a result of her time with Bojack. Um, but earlier on in the episode, Guy's going to film something in the Galapagos for work and he's worried about her having it and she's in denial at this point. Um, it's obviously something she'll later admit. Guy wants her to try the antidepressants, which is also advice that Bojack gave her at the time. Um, she would feel worse, she believes. She's taken them once before. Um, she felt it had something to do with her takes on Dawson's Creek. She thought, <laughs> she'd, she thought she'd gain weight. She thought her skin would break out. And she's worried that he'll not recognise her when he gets back if she's gone on the meds. Um, he couldn't be nicer about this. He says, quote, you're the most beautiful person in the world to me. You know that, right? That's the last thing he says to her before he leaves, as if to try and give her the biggest boost in the hope that maybe she listens and she perhaps needs it more than she's letting on. She kisses him goodbye, um, but is still clearly unsettled. And that would take us to where Bojack finds her in kind of the trashed um, apartment. Um, But their episode ends with her at the airport there to pick him up. Um, She's got a sign with her referencing Dawson's Creek. So um, she's happy, she's smiling. And there's a possibility that she might have taken Bojack and Guy's advice about the antidepressants, which is hopefully good news. Again, um, we're going to keep going back to this, but it's the vibe of the montage, it's the vibe of the episode and everything. For once, you're going to get a breather for all your favourites, Diane included. It's just really nice to see this, because as much as the show is about, and obviously focuses heavily on Bojack, he's nothing without the key players who are alongside him in this show. And him finally giving back to them is having a positive effect and we see this with diane obviously there's the trepidation she has about taking the medication she's you know worried about what you know physical and aesthetic changes it might make to her as well as Mm. how how she is as a person but ultimately she decides that she wants she's choosing happiness you know she's choosing happiness not choosing to be uh sad anymore not choosing not not choosing to kind of put it off and be afraid of the attempt at happiness because I think I, I don't want to say choosing sadness I think that's probably wrong to say I think 
but not choosing happiness, I think, is or not mm. choosing the attempt, at least, of happiness. And obviously, it results in some changes as well for her. Much like Bojack, we do also get some physical aesthetic changes for Diane when she turns up to see Mr. Peanut Butter. She's got a new jacket, Michael. It's a brand new jacket. And what used to see the green one she had with the red arrows, she's now got this little red number with blue stripes on it. It's all mm. fresh. It's a good new look. And you'll notice as well, her hair has slightly grown in a bit longer where she stopped shaving that little bit at the side. So once again, Diane's hair with a quick change. A fresh look, Michael, looking good, I think, in fairness. Um, and looking very happy to see uh, Guy as well. So clearly, um, although obviously she has stepped in the right direction with the antidepressants, she's also looks like this feels like a good choice. She's happy to see Guy. She's happy to be there. She doesn't look sort of like she wants to go and live in a house where she's got takeaway food everywhere. This is great. It's a pleasing scene because what we know that Guy doesn't yet, obviously, is that Bojack's um, involvement has uh, had a significant change for Diane, but it's been a positive one. And Guy can feel vindicated himself in that she has maybe listened to him too. So everybody gets to feel like they're winning here. I get it. Like, it's, a, it's, a, it's a theme that's going to continue. Everybody gets to feel like they're winning a little bit. And for almost all of the characters, it's something we've kind of yearned for for the longest time. So you're, you're right in your point you made before as well. There are absolutely times to deliver this. And sadly, it's often halfway through shows rather than at the, you know, at the later yeah. stages of seasons, as we've learned over the years. Um, but yeah, it's there's just a, a good a good vibe about this airport pickup as there has been for Bojack's departures. And the same goes, albeit very briefly, for Todd. Um, we see him putting Ruthie down uh, and he looks as if he's about to call his mother. He's staring at the phone and you can see it on, the, on her contact information, but a notification gets in the way. Um, He's probably not realised he's had the push notification switched on for all about that ace because it's never come up. But he has got a match and it's Maud from Cinnabunny. Um, that's all we get. Todd kind of, we don't get Todd's immediate response to it, but great to see, especially because we've not really had much in the way of any kind of closeness between these two characters. The one time they come together for this short meeting in the diner, that could have gone a lot worse. And the outcome has finally gone well for Todd. He was, this was like overdue between these two. You don't want to say that anybody owes anybody anything in this show. Mm. But if anybody does, it's Bojack and he owes all of these people a great deal. You know what I mean? Yeah. I know that's not how friendships and relationships work. But if we are keeping score, I think <laughs> he probably does owe these people a great deal. And albeit Todd will never know that Bojack did this and Bojack mm. will never know for sure that it worked, but or certainly not initially. Um, but him just thinking about others, Michael. What a mad concept, yeah. eh? Like, finds himself at the Cinnabunny and just for once thinks, ah, you know what? This would be a nice thing for Todd. Yeah. Like, when has Bojack ever thought, hey, this would be a nice thing for Todd? The only time I think that come came close is when he goes to rescue him from, the, from that uh, <laughs> boat that he's on. And... Even then, that's not really, uh, this will be nice for Todd. This is a Christ I need to save Todd because he's in trouble. <laughs> and you've raised a really good point there as well about Bojack's done it knowing, A, it's not guaranteed to work. He's just suggested this thing to Maud. And B, he's never going to receive the credit for it. So it's a completely it's selfless, selfless good, good deed. deed. Ah, you see? Indeed. Hey, I see what you did there. <laughs> You know why? It's because me and you went, duh, 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 duh. friends. <laughs> friends. Oh, wait, no, that's a different song. <laughs> <laughs> Princess Carolyn. 
And I'd like to point out for everyone listening, that was a bit that wasn't me was... doing the wrong theme song. <laughs> I realised it didn't come across the way I wanted it to in my stand-up gag that I was trying to pull off in the middle of our podcast. <laughs> I love my favourite bit of the Friends theme is when the guy says we're down in the hole. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, no, it's got to be the bit where he says morning. woke up this morning. Oh, God. Oh. Went to Central Park. <laughs> Princess Carolyn and Lenny are still negotiating, <laughs> Nicholas. They are still at the table with Judah. Um, <laughs> Maybe we are here, the blues are calling. They're still at the table with Judah and Jeff and Annie and all the gang, uh, Troy and Abed are there. Um, no, it's, uh, it's I'm, I'm being silly, I'm being silly. Um, All right, come on, sensible hats back on. This is Bojack Horseman we are doing. This is Podcast Horseman. We can do this, Michael. Come on, come on. This is, this is Pawnee, damn it. Um, no, Judah <laughs> is um, still <laughs> fighting. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. Come on. Go back to the very beginning. Welcome to Scranton. We have got uh, <laughs> Judah at the table negotiating with... Princess Carolyn and Lenita. <laughs> why are we in Scranton, Nicholas? Because he's fighting for birthdays in the office. That's why we're in Scranton. Assistants have birthdays too. Um, assistants to the regional managers probably have birthdays too. Um, and he makes a point about how birthdays are a big part of morale, about a big part of making the assistants feel more like humans instead of some human scum like Toby. Um, and... Princess Carolyn finally relents. This is a nice moment, actually, because Judy gets what he wants, but only in a way where Princess Carolyn and Lenny Turtletop can make it sort of make sense on their terms. So if you remember last week, mm. the assistants wanted to not be treated like garbage, and that was where Lenny drew a thick black line. Uh, we are at an impasse. But they've been upgraded from garbage to recycling. Now, of course, with recycling comes a possibility of upcycling, which mm. is where Judah sees that finally that they are being seen as people of value. They get their office birthdays. He agrees to sign. Um, after the meeting outside, um, Judah is waiting at Valet Parking for his bike to be returned as he strips off from his full suit recycling gear in one fluid Judah motion. Um Judah and Princess Carolyn reconnect outside of the meeting room. Uh, Judah, efficient as ever, lets Princess Carolyn know that the word ever is superfluous in the quote, you're the best assistant I ever had. Um, he cycles off into the sunset, though not literally, as he wishes to point out. And after Princess Carolyn has had her own interaction with Bojack, where he says that she should get her own Princess Carolyn, she goes and gets it. It's Judah, obviously. She makes him the COO of Vim. He's already back on top of everything. He's making her life tons, e tons easier than it was before. She's got every Thursday with Ruthie. And their little moment ends with, quote, thanks, Judah, quote, my pleasure. And it was my pleasure to getting to watch this. If last week was part one, this was part two of a one-two punch to get Judah back in Princess Carolyn's life where he can belongs. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is 
is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Beautiful. It wasn't your pleasure either. It was our pleasure. <laughs> it was our pleasure. Our pleasure. And what a pleasure it was. Sorry, I'm still, still recovering from all our theme songs there. <laughs> I've only just managed to pull myself back around uh, while you were going into great detail there. So apologies for that. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's just, you know, there was an episode earlier in this, uh, in this season, Michael, in episode three called Feel Good Story. And it wasn't really about that, was it? It, it no. wasn't quite true to the name of it. And now we have an episode called The Face of Depression, where we've had arguably the nicest, most feel-good, most good mood, payoffy. That's that's definitely a great phrase. Um, episode <laughs> of BoJack Horseman that you're ever going to watch. Like, this is just so nice. Everyone's happy, Michael. What could possibly go wrong? Nothing. That's it. End the show now. We've, they've all had a great time. Everyone's learned something. We're all friends. That's so good. <laughs> Come on, let's start this again. Let's uh, let's have the gang get back on track. Um, you give me a perfect segue because um, everybody is happy, which is less than ideal if you're Mister Peanut Butter and you're the national face of depression, along with Joey Pogo on their Idiots World Tour. Um, they appear in a TV spot for it, which we see through Diane's midnight viewing in Illinois. That's kind of how that's like quite nicely tied together just before uh, Bojack turns up at the door. Um, and then, of course, obviously in DC where Mr. Peanut Butter and Bojack reconnect. Um, but his episode ends where he's on the phone to Pickles, who <laughs> has now slept with 32 guys to get even. Uh, but none of them are Mr. Peanut Butter. She wants to cheat on him with him. This is should be the sweetest moment. There should be this realisation that everything that needed to happen has happened and it's time for them to find each other again. Um, but this sweet moment is broken up by Joey Pogo um, kicking a closet door down from the inside where he's hanging 
not in the way you might think on a face of depression world tour, but by a coat hanger that his jacket is still in, swinging like a child, doing that hanging in there joke that you think of the, the cat on the motivational poster. Mr. Peanut Butter, inspired by his future wife trying to profess her love for him, looks at Joey Pogo and tells Pickles that he might have the perfect idea. Ruh row. <laughs> Can I just point out the Joey Pogo gag is <laughs> is so close to the bone, but also so stupidly funny. We found him hanging in a wardrobe. We found him hanging in a wardrobe, and yet he's yeah. just got a coat hanger <laughs> in his shoulders and can't figure out how to get down from the whole thing. <laughs> in, the, in the sense, he's clearly trying to put the jacket on yeah. while being in the cupboard <laughs> and just hasn't figured out how to get it off the, off the hanger yet. Great, a great gag, this. And, of course, the pickles and Mr. Peanut Butter thing, you've almost put it at the back of your mind at this point because there's been a lot of other stuff going on. But, of course, oh. she's on her own world tour. Uh, just a very different, a very different kind, um, and yeah, sounds like they're both having the time of their lives. One's the face of the depression, and one is the face of hot sex, it seems. <laughs> uh, which which is always good, I guess. And it seems oh. to be healthy for their relationship, and everybody's having a good time. A lot of men in Hollywood have found themselves in a bit of a pickle. Anyway, we've kind of become mad men in the review of this podcast, but I am pleased to report that that is all the characters taken care of. Um, and I mean that in every sense of the word. It has been lovely to see them for once all get taken care of by Bojack himself, no less. Indeed. Cheers for that, Michael. There's <laughs> 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 always time for one more. So let's go. Becca. <laughs> Don't you bring Becca's name into this unless you've got something good to say. God damn it. You hear me? I'm- I made it perfectly clear that when we do podcast Beckerman, this is all going to come out. I've got some Becker takes for you, brother. <laughs> oh, hey. Well, for our listeners, Michael, you might as well call them Fraser Crane because they're listening at the end of the day. <laughs> and we need to deliver some content about Bojack Horseman. So let's go and do the part of this show. Jesus Christ, let's get back on track. <laughs> <laughs> we call horsing around where we go back oh. through the episode and we highlight all of the small details you might have missed all the hidden meanings behind things and all the easter eggs and i promise you we won't do more sitcom references and i definitely didn't have skin shoes on when we did that because <laughs> undoubtedly it's going to come up i'm sorry i'm sorry Look, it's a feel-good episode of Bojack. It's got us feeling good. We're in a good mood. So let's go back anyway and hammer through all these details that are in the episode. It's a good place. It is a place. It's a place, you could say, where everybody knows your name. Anyway, we go to Bojack's house uh, at the very beginning of the episode. And I just nothing specific here, just other than some admiration for some real beautiful animation. Uh, you mentioned the um, all of Bojack's past wrongdoings that we see in his house as he's going from pillar to post, sometimes quite literally, and seeing the horrible things that he did in that house. I mm. thought that was really nicely done, really well animated. And then, of course, the iconic imagery of him leaving the house in the car, wiping the leaves off his car with the windscreen wiper first, and then the sunglasses on, the palm trees going by. Just some real stunning, beautiful um, images there from that opening little scene. The animation spot on, as always. Um, 
And on the way, we go to the streets of LA where you see that there's, you mentioned the posters on the wall for Philbat where they've all been rolled over with stickers that say cancelled across the top. There's a couple of bits and bobs on the wall around it, but one of them, one of the uh, posters, instead of where it has Philbat written at the bottom, someone has graffitied over it and it says, more like Phil Butt. But <laughs> 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 a change in the couple of letters and the name, obviously. The world of the world of Hollywood reacting angrily to uh, Bojack and to Philbat, but also there's another little bit of graffiti that just says "R.I.P. Meowsies" uh, or oh. "Meowses." Um, so "R.I.P. Meowses." Moment of silence. Hopefully not meow meow fuzzy face, but there you go. Um, mm. We go to the AA meeting that Bojack goes to, and there's that typical notice board you'll see in an, in an AA meeting like this, or in one of those like community centres or whatever, where it's just a mix and match of things people promoting their stuff. There's one for goat yoga, and the poster shows a goat person who was sitting on top of someone who was doing yoga. (laughs) (laughs) I guess an extra added bit of weight. Um, There's also a poster that says, have you seen this flyer? And then it's just got a bunch of the tabs that you can pull away at the bottom with a couple (laughs) of tabs that have been taken. People have obviously seen that flyer. So There's also another one for cold yoga, and I think it looks like a snow leopard. Uh, maybe, or just a white cat-looking thing doing yoga, because uh, it's called yoga. Um, there's one for used books, but I couldn't quite read the rest of it. It's But it is there, and I just thought for posterity we'd put it in. So now you know, it's there. It says used books, and there is a little number to call if you'd like to use someone's books. But there's a bit of a gag in the middle there somewhere, and I just can't read it because it's too small. But there was also one of that that said uh, an advert for pup cakes, which... Uh, it seems are great for all occasions. Pink cupcakes, it looks like, Michael, that mm. are shaped like dogs' faces. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't mean like they've got a dog's face like flat down in 2D. Literally the shape of a weird dog face with it's just pink. Very strange. <laughs> and, of course, in that AA meeting, huge, huge laugh it got out of me when the only food that was available was a pile of honeydew, of course. Bojack's fiercest nemesis in this show. I think we can Amazing. all agree. We go past the opening credits, nothing changes in there, and then we go to that first flashback, and you've already mentioned it, but it just felt notable, where Bojack says to Sharona, nobody is asking you Sharona. Oof, real, real horrible stuff, this. But that was the past, that was then, this is now, it's all changed, and he's better now, Michael, honest. (laughs) It's really great. We go to Guy's house in Chicago next, and a cute gag outside. We saw one the other week um, of like a... sea-like creature outside doing something. I think it was the um, a narwhal's tusk that was sort of moving the, um, scraping the snow off a car last time. Well, this time we see a shark who was shoveling snow off of their drive with the head that is, of course, a bonnet head shark, a.k.a. the shovel head shark, Michael. Nice. Because they're clearing the snow off the drive. Do you get the joke? Um, inside the house, though, I just thought it was notable, Diane, when she's talking to Guy about uh, when she took medication the last time she, she mentions how they put me on Prozac in college and I was so calm and boring I didn't want a live journal and then Dawson's Creek got bad because there was no one to speak truth to power <laughs> <laughs> which is a bit of a double hit I really funny obviously the Dawson's Creek joke continues to be funny but the live journal stuff man I didn't realize how much this hit a it hit a hit a, a sort of dormant nerve in me from being younger I remember having a live journal at one point uh I can't remember when it was, but I haven't seen that phrase, live journal, and the memory mm. of it even existing 
until this episode. It just totally reminded me of that. And I wonder if it still exists out there somewhere. God, I'd like to find that. Um, we go to Turtle Taub Towers, which is what I finally found out this boardroom is in, what it's actually called, Turtle Taub Towers. That sounds like very much Lenny, doesn't it? <laughs> Inside the boardroom, we get a couple of cute gags. There's one, uh, there's two actually, two coffee cup gags. One is Princess Carolyn's coffee cup, which she's called Peaches Carpenter on here. On <laughs> and even better, Michael, Lenny Turtletop has one on his mug as well. And instead of Lenny, it reads Leggy, would you believe? <laughs> Which is quite remarkable. That's a big but then we also get a wonderful bit of dialogue from uh, Judah, who was talking to Princess Carolyn. And he kind of mentions about you know, wanting those little victories uh, in the workplace. Because everybody does, you know. Mm. These are tiny things, but they could be huge to someone else. And he mentions how everyone hates the mysterious dried fruit cubes in trail mix, but we still eat them after the other nuts and seeds are gone because in our undervalued, overworked existence, we're desperate for any morsel of satisfaction, whether that be cake, unidentifiable orange fruit shards, or occasional kind words from our boss. And good Lord, I think everybody's probably felt that once, at least mm. in their life. And yeah. yeah, give me the mysterious right. dried fruit, please. <laughs> he's he's right as always. Of course he is. Of course he's right. He's yeah. Judah. He's never wrong. Um, we go down to the outside of Turtle Top Towers, um, and there's just a quick, a quick gag. The shop next door, or maybe the uh, sort of restaurant food bit attached to Turtle Top Towers, is called Turtle Green, uh, which the tagline for it is slow food cooked slowly. Because, of course... <laughs> Turtle Greens, Michael, which is in itself a play on the real-life Tender Greens, which is, of course, a food place you can go to buy healthy food. Is that not, like that appears seconds after in terms of the gag about recycling, upcycling? Lenny's yes. Hawk says, I'm green. I'm green. Because he's a turtle. And then the first thing you see is a shop front of Turtle Greens. And then downstairs it? we get Turtle Greens. It is indeed. <laughs> we go from there, though, across to the famous, at this point, Silver Spoon Diner, which we've been to a bajillion times. Um, this time it's when Bojack and Todd are having a conversation in there. You'll see the billboard in the background has changed once again. This time there is a poster for Birthday Dad on there with Mr. Peanut Butter on it. Um, brilliantly as well, I've just written down there, that lovely Todd picture gag is excellent, where the phone picture is exactly the same as <laughs> his current face in real life. And then I have also noted down, as you mentioned before, Todd brilliantly saying, stewardess, I think the preferred term is flight servant. <laughs> <laughs> I really, really laughed at this. I had to pause it. I was laughing that hard. Very, very funny. Uh, we go across to Airbud International Airport from there, though. And as you mentioned, we do get those lovely flight boards. And on those flight boards, we get a whole load of name gags, as you can probably imagine. I will try my best. I'll go down the middle. There's three columns, but I'll go down the middle one first before we have to change. So you see ones for Honolulu, for Houston, Texas. You see Las Vegas. Then you see Mice Ami instead of Miami, Florida. You also see Minneapolis, St. Paul. And then you see Nashville instead of Nashville. And then we get New York at the bottom as well. Then you move out. The screen sort of pulls back, as you as you mentioned, and reveals a bunch of others. So on the departures board to the left, you'll see there's Albuquerque. <laughs> <New Mexico. laughs> there's Austin, Texas. There's Balti Mall. Um, there's also Boston. There's also Chicago O'Hare. Of course, works in itself. Uh, there's oh. Calgary, Alberta. <laughs> Brilliant. Take <laughs> Calgary, Alberta. Shout out Calgary, where my father lives. Um, there's also Dallas, <laughs> Dallas, Texas, but it's obviously Dallas, Fort Worth, but it's D 
Dallas Fort Wolf because it's a dog title. <laughs> we get Denver, Colorado, and we also get Fort Lauderdale instead of Fort Lauderdale at the bottom there. <laughs> then if we sw- if switch across to the far right-hand column, you'll see we get Oakland, we get Ottawa in Ontario, Canada, only it's Ottawa. Like an otter, you see what they did there. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's also Philadelphia, which is Philly spelled F I L L Y, Delphia. Um, there's also Phoenix, Arizona. There's uh, Pittsburgh instead of Pittsburgh. <laughs> there's Portland, Oregon. There's Salt Lake Kitty <laughs> in Utah. Very good. Um, there's also San Francisco, California. There's San Croce instead of San Jose. <laughs> Then there's Seattle instead of Seattle. You see, all those phrases are creating jokes. Makes sense now, don't it? There's also Tucson, Arizona, and there's also Vancouver, BC at the bottom nice. there. Wonderful yeah. stuff instead of Vancouver. Uh, yeah, great stuff and a beautiful visual to boot as well with Bojack staring across over the three um, departure boards. We go from there, though, um, to... Inside the airport, technically, in Airboat International, further down the road, Mr. Peanut Butter is sitting with Joey Pogo at the bar, Michael, uh, the Kitty and Hawk bar, um, which in itself, I think, might be a nod to, there's a place in London called Kitty Hawk, uh, not the Kitty and the Hawk, but it's called Kitty Hawk, and I have a sneaky suspicion it might be a little wink and a nod to that, but thoughts on postcard at Podcast Horseman, if you have any other ideas what that might be, or maybe it's just a cute name to call the bar. But Mr. Peanut Butter is sitting at that bar, and I love this gag. He and Joey uh, Pogo are discussing the fact that Peanut Butter himself says, I'm just not depressed, I'm happy all the time. And then he says, mm, how do I check? And he lifts his glass up and says, ah, just as I suspected, half full. Cute <laughs> 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 little gag. But yeah. obviously to find Mr. Peanut Butter as well, because he is just Mr. Glass half full in mm. every every meaning of the word. We go across to Cinnabunny, as you mentioned earlier, and there's just a whole bunch of stuff on the um, on the menu in the background there. Obviously, Cinnabunny in itself, a player on Cinnabun. Um, and then on the board, you'll see there's three different boards. One is called Cinnabunnies, one is called Specials, and one is called Drinks. We'll start on the Cinnabunnies board. You'll see the Cinnabunny Classic, the Mini Bunny Classic, the Honey Bunny Classic, the Banana, <laughs> banana Bunny, the... Not the Honey Bunny classic, that's a lie. It's just called Honey Bunny. Then there's the Banana Bunny. Then there's the Nutty Bunny. And then there's Cinnakit at the very bottom there. Um, (laughs) Then you go across to the specials board. There's also Mama Bunny, (laughs) Papa Bunny, Baby Bunny, Baby Mama Bunny. (laughs) (laughs) The Uncle Wiggly special. (laughs) And then there's Carrot sticks at the bottom, S T I X for sticks. I mean that whole thing's just ridiculous. And then of course on the drinks board, last but not least, we get to see a bunch. Uh, there's one called Cinnabrew. There's one called Iced Cinnabrew. There's one called Cottontail Cappuccino. One called Long Eared Latte. And then there's two that I can't see because they're obscured by uh, the woman who is serving's head, unfortunately. Um, but then from there, we go across, not Maud, of course, it's another woman who's serving on the till with Maud. We go across to um, Guy's house from there uh, in Chicago once more. And Diane is on the couch, Michael, eating some potato chips. They are called Vipers potato chips, um, nice. which is a lovely reference in itself to nothing in particular. Uh, <laughs> to you and I, it means a whole lot more, I'm sure. Yeah. And to anybody else who knows Francis Higgins. 
Um, also, shout out as well, because this did come up in a previous episode, but I didn't mention anything of it. But Parmadillo is, of course, the place we see them going to eat quite a lot mm. in Chicago, as was brought to our attention wonderfully um, by, of course, uh, Michael Cola, who is yeah. regular contributor to the podcast Horseman World of Converse. Uh, of course, bringing up, Michael, as you should have picked on, would you like to take the floor here? What is yeah. this? I've called you here in my notes. I've said, come on, Michael, tell us what it is, Chicago Mike. <laughs> Appreciate appreciate Michael Cole bringing this one up because Michael Hamlet probably should have done it instead because I've been there. Um, Portillo's, a um, world-renowned and famous eatery in Chicago, sells just the most tremendous hot dogs amongst other things. I believe the hot dog is a signature dish. It's certainly what I had and it was tremendous. Um, lovely sort of old-fashioned interior, uh, fabulous menu, all home-cooked stuff. Chicago, very proud of its um, different beef. There are beef wars in Chicago. There is beef over beef based on what side of the city you're from and all that sort of stuff. It's all really cool as part of the food culture. And indeed, this is a Bojack Horseman universe parody of that place. There you go. So even the pros, who definitely aren't you and I, <laughs> miss one every now and again. <laughs> was, there you go. Shout out to Port Dio's after all of that. We got you in there anyway. Also, mm-hmm. Diane making a cute reference to, as she's telling Bojack, she's kind of half lying about how she's feeling great and how she's got this book of essays that someone's you know given her. Uh, the rights to publish and giving out the finances to publish uh, and and write. And she says, oh, who am I, Sloan Crosley? And obviously Bojack's like, who on earth is Sloan Crosley? <laughs> or Crosley, Crosley, one of the two. And Diane's like, exactly. There's this really cute moment where I almost feel like Diane doesn't know who she is. It's so funny. She obviously does, but the way that she won't tell Bojack who it is, <laughs> asking who it is and she keeps going, I know. And he's like, no, but who is she? And he says, exactly. Who is Sloan Crossley? <laughs> but in case you were wondering, Sloan Crossley, Crossley, sorry if I've got your name wrong there, I do apologise, uh, is an American writer living in New York City, known for her humorous essays, including the collections I Was Told There'd Be Cake, How Did You Get This Number, and Look Alive Out There. None of which I've read, but I'm all very curious, to, I'm now very curious, should I say, to read them all, because... Mm. Why else would they give us a wink and a nod unless well, it was indeed. great content? That's the sound of the Bojack Horseman alarm telling us to go and do our homework. Anyway, we go back to Guy's house in Chicago. Um, and just some great some great dialogue between Diane and Bojack that I just wanted to highlight a bit more. You may have mentioned it slightly, but uh, Diane's take on antidepressants I thought was quite interesting. She says, sure. Or you just flip like her hesitance of wanting to take them and her counter-argument for not wanting to take them. She says, sure. Or, or you just flip over the nothing and underneath there's more nothing. Then you flip over that nothing and there's more nothing underneath that. So you just keep flipping over nothings all your life because you keep thinking under all that nothing, there's got to be something. But all you find is nothing. Oh, mm. just the kind of sentence that could only come out with the writers of Bojack Horseman, in my humble opinion. Uh, and yeah. just the turn, the turn, ironically, the turn, the turning of all of these takeaway bits that are on the floor you can see Diane like kicking them over with her foot to reveal absolutely nothing underneath. They turn that into something so big and grandiose. Uh, it's just really, really great stuff. It must be, you know, it must be quite the choice. That's a huge choice to have to make in your life. And they kind of managed to tie it all together with everything that's happening in that exact room. I just thought it was really, really well done. But then, brilliantly. The, the oh, uh, sorry, I, I just wanted to like on that point you've raised there, because that bit of dialogue, probably should have included that, but uh, um, these people are just so gifted at how they write about mental health and they help. I, I think this helps. I, I said this about stupid pieces, and I think yeah. there's 
it happens so much that you almost take it for granted. But I would like to think this show legitimately helps people because it helps you. I would imagine there's a good chance that this show has helped people understand their own struggles with mental health by putting it in a way that they've never been able to quite articulate before. And this was another little example of that. I would, I think that's the key one for me. Uh, I think other than educating people just in life in general about a whole host of different topics, and I include myself in that, I feel like I've learned yeah, I'm a better sure. person for having watched this show and more intelligent, certainly, as a result of it. Um, but I think it really does give people... You know, I'm sure there are people who can articulate it, but for people who are struggling perhaps sometimes to explain their mental health, I feel like it just provides a language. It provides this thing to point at and go, mm. this, or maybe I don't feel comfortable saying it out loud, but just watch this scene or watch this moment or look at this, di- I've written down this dialogue. That's how I feel. And I just think that's great. I really do. Like I say, they kind of make it out of nothing as well. Something so relatable as an empty bit of takeaway carton that you turn over yeah. and suddenly... We've got this, and I hope that does help equip people a bit better to be able to explain these situations. Um, but again, more great dialogue to come from Bojack, of course, when he talks about Dr. Champ and this idea that it's something he can't change the way that he is. And he says, I bought into this idea that I, that I was a thing that couldn't be changed. So the reason I came to Chicago is I wanted to thank you for believing in me when I didn't and for encouraging me to accept the help I needed a real huge breakthrough moment this for Bojack and a little bit more onto that as well. Just just prior that he kind of says it's so stupid an idea and a concept that, that you can't change because you can like that's mm. what he's trying to do right this second. And we are seeing that it's it's working out for him, which is yeah. which is exactly what we wanted to see all in all. I've called this next location the sky because there's nothing else to call it. <laughs> um, but we do get a cute gag where there's an aeroplane going to the sky and it's Jet Moo. I assume instead of Jet Two, uh, but yeah. of course Jet Moo being it's a cow, Michael. Do you get it? It's, <laughs> it's a cow, Jack. It's a cow. Um, we do also get when uh, when Bojack goes to Connecticut, we end up in Hollyhock's car, and I just thought it was really, I mean, it's quite a great commentary on sort of culture and certainly fashion as well. Uh, Tony's hat, um, her friend in the back seat, just has a label and a logo on the front of it that just says hat. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Which does feel like such a meta upon meta kind of approach to life. But my word, you see it every day when people are trying to sort of change the rules and the ways of fashion a bit. I like it. Uh, we go to Wesleyan University, though. Um, and as you're coming in, in Hollyhock's car, there's a great sign outside for the university. It says, Wesleyan University, a rich history of creativity, originality and critical thinking. Also, Michael Bay. <laughs> <laughs> Another classic Bojack Horseman, little wink and a nod at somebody, just literally probably for the sake. Um, we go down to what I assume is the student union of Wesleyan University. That's certainly how I saw it, where they go to see this gig that's happening. Um, unless I've missed where they go to. I can't remember if they mentioned that they're going no, somewhere else. Yeah, I think it might be also, I think it's yeah. the student union. Um, and that's just the only reason I mention it is because there's this great poster on the wall for what I assume is a band or just a solo act called Slammin' Salmon. Nice. <laughs> Which is a great name for a band. I hope someone takes that up. <laughs> uh, we go to Airbud International from there, though. And we did mention earlier uh, the likes of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood uh, for creating this mood and this atmosphere while you're watching this episode. And they do it again in LAX Airport. I guess it's technically LAX in real life, but in this world, of course, it is Airbud International. We see the famous um, sort of mosaic tiled hallways that you would see in LAX. 
Um, I believe they're called the Astro Walk, from what I've done my homework on there. I could be wrong okay. about that. Please do let us know at Podcast Horseman if it's just you stupid Brits getting it all wrong. But I believe <laughs> it's the Astro Walk. You'll have seen it in a multiple different films. Uh, the ones and TV episodes too, it's definitely in an episode of Mad Men. It's also definitely in Jackie Brown, of course, another Quentin Tarantino mm, film, yes. uh, where you see the going by slowly on... What do you call it? Just a moving, it's not an a escalator. Walkway? Moving is walkway, that like, is that what they call it? Yeah. There you go. So on one of those as they cruise past mm-hmm. the mosaic. Iconic imagery, and I'm really glad they included it in this show because this show is iconic and deserves all the good things. Uh, also, just huge, huge laugh, like a barked out loud laughing at this when you go to Cinnabunny again and Bojack's talking to Maud. Although he's not, he's waiting to talk to Maud as she's on the phone. And she mentions, she just calls him Lonely Horse Guy. <laughs> and he just accepts it he just takes it because I guess maybe he is and all in all is it wrong I don't really know if it is Mm. we go across to Princess Carolyn's apartment from there and uh, we see her holding an an American Airlines uh, plane that she's showing to Ruthie as a sort of cute character sort of zoom out and show us that we're not in the air anymore we are in fact in Princess Carolyn's apartment American Airlines American Airlines I'm sure we've done that before on this one with an actual one of the airplanes the Bojack Hockney paint and reveal is brilliantly done where Princess Karen mm. opens the door and we just see full screen the shot of the Bojack Horseman version of the David Hockney self-portrait painting where he's sort of looking down at himself in the swimming pool. What a great reveal. But not as good, of course, as you mentioned, as Princess Carolyn summing the whole thing up. Oh, look, look what Uncle Bojack brought you, Ruthie. It's a 1970s pop art interpretation of the narcissist myth. How appropriate for a baby. Bojack says, Narcissus, Narcissus, I thought the painting was about me. And of course, the (laughs) Narcissus, for anybody who doesn't know, was the from Greek mythology, uh, where he was so impossibly handsome that he fell in love with his own image reflected in a pool of water. There you go. Doesn't that all sound very familiar? (laughs) Um, But (laughs) brilliantly as well, though, after all this, Ruthie inadvertently destroys the painting because she's obviously a porcupine. (laughs) Just goes into it back first. And when she peels herself off, rips a hole in it. And Bojack's like, oh, no, it was priceless. What are we going to do? And uh, Carolyn says, ah, we'll tape it back together and we'll call it a Rauschenberg. Of course, Rauschenberg being uh, the American painter and graphic artist whose early works anticipated the pop art movement. But you'll see, you've seen his stuff probably. It's where a lot of paintings where it's like sort of compiled together of other things and usually something mm-hmm. that's sticking out. He does also have a history in sculpt that sculpture as well. Uh, and sort of live art performances too. Um, we go across to Wesleyan University once again and shout out, Michael, to a stupid character, but a great character. <laughs> in Dean Squishy Face. Now, Indeed. I should point out, it's Dean is in the Dean of the University, not the yes. name Dean Squishy Face. We don't know the first name of Dean Squishy Face, but <laughs> a careless, careless hamster who's just smashing yeah. everything off the desk as they try to figure it all out with Bojack. And, of course, they mention this brilliant gag that Raven Simone is circling, to which Bojack says, Raven, she's circling around, portending my doom. <laughs> is she going to swoop in and peck out my chances? That is so like her. As <laughs> A little that's so Raven Swerve, of course. And for reference, Raven Simone, I think it might be, or Simone, maybe just Simone, uh, of course, was the uh, American actress, singer, and songwriter, um, but also most famously known as a child star, I believe, on The Cosby Show, of course, again, tying into that theme where Bojack brings in old child actors and from sitcoms of 
yesteryear just to kind of make a reference but it doesn't end there there's more raven related stuff but more on that in just a second we do go from there though across to an AA meeting once again um, and this just made me laugh so much Bojack is talking to the rest of the guys and gals in the AA meeting and just talks about how how difficult his life is and stuff but it's he's obviously the house he talks about that he lives in it's an amazingly massive house but it's a really <laughs> different place for him <laughs> and then he sort of says he doesn't want to offend one of the other guys called Benny. Uh, and Benny, who lives in his storage locker, I should point out, <laughs> Bojack mentions. And Benny, it cuts to Benny, who just says, every day just keeps getting better. <laughs> <laughs> it's such a great gag. It's just a quick cut to and a pop of Benny saying, every day just keeps getting better. Real enthusiasm of life. Of course, to show you, Michael, you don't need everything to be happy in this life. Exactly, indeed. We go across to Wesleyan University again, though, and Dean Scooshy Face is at it again, Michael. She mentions how Raven is out. She's no longer in the running for the job. She's taught a workshop at Spellman, and to quote Raven, never more. She says she will <laughs> not be back in it. Of course, Edgar Allan Poe, if I'm not mistaken, mm-hmm. quote yeah. the Raven. Nevermore, who we all really only probably know from that episode of The Simpsons that time that referenced oh, yeah. this. That was the the way into it, I think, for most of us. <laughs> Sorry to everybody who loves Edgar Allan Poe at heart and has studied profusely. That's not the case for a lot of us, unfortunately. However, oh, still great. I just thought that Scott Levy knew his way around a great promo in ECW as well. <laughs> Very true. Don't go bringing that in here. This is, <laughs> this is <laughs> We go to Airbud International Law from there. And as the as you mentioned, that guy, the random guy who was dating Maud, I don't think we ever find out what he's called. Um, but you mentioned how he can't just accept that that Maud <laughs> that it wasn't about Maud being a Jesus thing, the reason why she doesn't she's not into him and why she doesn't want this relationship to continue. He eventually badges her and badges her and badges her until she says, Okay, fine, if that's what you want to hear, it was a Jesus thing. I'm almost sure it's pretty much just so we can get the gag at the very end before he leaves, where he says <laughs> What would Jesus do? Not this guy. Not this guy. <laughs> Two thumbs pointing at himself. Did like that. Did like that. A Hollywood male who's being justified in his own little head once again. Mm. God, you hate to see it, don't you? But a good gag, nonetheless. Um, then we got into Bojack's flight to Washington, D.C. And I've called this Bojack's bad flight because in this episode, it is a great feel-good episode, but it, undeniably, he does have a bad flight, Michael, unfortunately. Mm. Um, he gets coffee spilled on him by the woman who's next to him. He then gets, as a woman opens an overhead locker above him, a second cup of coffee <laughs> from the overhead storage, inexplicably. It's not like it was in like one of them flasks either. This was literally a cup of coffee in a take <laughs> It falls out, it's full, and it lands on him once again. Very ridiculous, this. There's also um, a message on the Tannoy essentially saying, that it's so icy that all the connected flights have been grounded and the luggage doors have been iced shut. So their bags are probably gone forever, is what they say. <laughs> also, as mentioned, there's the two uh, yellow and red spatters that come shooting out of nowhere, presumably mustard and ketchup from someone mm. you never get to see. They just come from out of shot. Is somebody <laughs> eating a hot dog, Michael? Who knows? I don't know. Who knows? But we find out, basically, it's ruined his jacket. And you can see that the, that they're hamming it up. They know it's staff. They needed to get the jacket off him, and they cover him in stuff before he gets off this flight, which takes us nicely, of course, to the Furbury shop, Michael, instead of Burberry, 
It's of course Good. Dewey, like an animal. You see what they've done there? <laughs> I've just written down here, I love Bojack's new look because it's just a great look. It's a good look. He looks mature. He looks like things have changed. And of course, we go from there to him taking a selfie of himself on his phone. And there's an immediate comment that pops up below the <laughs> just taken inexplicably, Michael, outside the US Capitol building from a, an Instagram handle that you might recognize or whatever they're calling it in podcast horseman world, of course. Mr. PB Living, who says, look behind you. <laughs> look behind you. And sure enough, Bojack turns around and sees Mr. Peanut Butter standing with him outside the US Capitol building. And what does he say, Michael? He says, what are you doing in DC? Because nice. oh, it's like, what are you doing here? Only oh, I like that, yeah. It's a great callback to previous seasons and that phrase in general. But Bojack seemingly has moved on from it and is now talking about actual places. From there, we go across to the Smithsonian Museum of American History, more specifically the television department of that museum. And, of course, Mr. Peanut Butter has taken Bojack through all the little bits and pieces from various shows, Michael, and sitcoms. You see, it all ties together here. We, we mm -hmm. know what we were doing. But just a little breakdown. There's a bunch of different stuff to look at here. There is, uh, you can see on the wall at the back, is the fresh the spinning chair from the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Uh, you'll remember from the introduction uh, where Will Smith's spinning around. There's also the dog from... <laughs> although it's a dog person in this world, uh, the dog from uh, Frasier. Um, Eddie, of course. Um, Frasier Crane's father's dog is standing there <laughs> with a pair of jeans on, but it's most definitely the dog... Frasier. We also get the attire of Urkel from Family Matters on a mannequin there. And then if you go across to the other side, there's a bunch of pictures and a little little plaque that says Lucy and Desi's divorce agreement, presumably <laughs> from I Love Lucy, which is just some man is very eagerly poring over the details of the divorce <laughs> agreement there. There's also at the back of the room, just as they're walking in, which I couldn't figure out what it was. So if anybody knows, do let me know at Podcast Horseman. Uh, there's like a set of skis that have got a teeth, like a big set of teeth marks, it looks like, out of the left ski. Um, unfortunately, I did did search and search and search, but couldn't find anything to go with it. So if you happen to have that knowledge, please do let us know at Podcast Horseman your thoughts mm. on a postcard for that one. Um, we do, of course, get to see Bojack's jumper, um, the sweater worn by Bojack Horseman on Horsing Around, as the plaque reads, before we hilariously obviously find out about Mr. Peanut Butter's gigantic original kitchen set from Mr. Peanut Butter's house. Uh, but you can also see to the right of that uh, is a man who is staring at a piece of the set, a big giant logo, Michael, for Felicity Huffman's Booty Academy. <laughs> The now disgraced Felicity Huffman's Booty Academy, of course, Indeed. after the admission uh, scandal that you would have been a part of in real life and in the show. And then when you get a little bit closer to Mr. Peanut Butter set, you'll see inside there's a few bits here. There's um, the, the fridge magnets read, We Love Mr. PB. There's also uh, a picture that just says, Bless this mess hanging on the wall <laughs> uh, with two tennis balls and a, a hole that's been dug by a dog that's clearly put the bone in the hole, you see. Because nice. he's, he's a dog. There's also on top of the fridge some cereal called Hoot Loops with an owl <laughs> on it. Uh, and that's pretty much that for the inside. It's the peanut butter set. All lovely stuff, I'm sure you can agree. Um, of course, we get the brilliant, wonderful moment that I've just mentioned. is amazing. The crossover episode moment 
a really, really nice, lovely payoff, this, in a show that mm. very rarely gives you any big, nice payoffs in that department. I feel like we get so many in this episode. But that one, got to be up there with one of the most feel-good out of them all. Yeah. Um, we then go to what I've described as an unknown location here, because we don't technically know, but it's where Bojack walks in and sees the sort of uh, shelves full of brochures for stuff to do. Um, the woman who's on the phone to Bojack, though, she's rescheduled his flight. She says... Um, please stay on the line for a survey that directly determines whether or not I get fired. <laughs> <laughs> and in an episode that comes off the bat, of course, of seeing the empowerment of all these assistants and underlings, this felt particularly poignant. I think you'll agree, Michael. We also see, of course, the, the brochure that Bojack does pick up at the end is that for Old old Town Horsebig, which is where he's going to go to have a little look around, which, correct me if I'm wrong, just sounds very much beat for beat like Bojack Horseman. Old Town Horseburg. Oh, it's very yeah. similar, isn't it, in the way that they've created that. that, that. Um, it really did. I was, oh, what's, what, are you, what are you doing here? You're playing with my emotions. Old yeah. Town Horseburg there, so there you go. Um, we go to Vim Management, though, and I just wanted to point out that Judah's back, baby. He's yes. back. He's back with the company properly this time as the CEO of operations, I think he is. Um, wonderful. Like, genuinely wonderful stuff. It's not felt right without him in that building, and now it feels like we're back in business. Uh, they are all business to begin with now, I guess, maybe. Who knows? Um, <laughs> we go from there, though, across to Princess Carolyn's apartment, um, where Todd is obviously sitting looking after Ruthie, but he gets the ping, Michael, on his phone, as we see it. You mentioned it before. He has a new match, and that match is Maud, the rabbit girl who was working at the Cinnabunny. It's all kicking off, Michael. And Bojack mm. did it. It was all he made Bojack. Out. Bojack's meddling, his inadvertent meddling, wonderful stuff. Nearly there, we go across the peanut butter's hotel room where he's talking with Pickles on the phone, and we find out, Michael, that Pickles has slept with 32 men at this point. Um, I guess the scores are even now, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, well, apparently not, because, of course, if peanut butter has his way, maybe Joey Pogo is going to be getting in on the action. And, of course, I have written here, Joey Pogo in the cupboard. I mean, just what a gag that is. Yeah. What a gag. Bold, a very bold gag in this episode. Yes. We go to Chicago Airport. <laughs> we go to Chicago Airport. And, of course, at the arrivals bit where Guy is turning up to meet uh, Diane, there's a bunch of people holding signs for people they're waiting for. One says he's waiting for Bob Boone. <laughs> <laughs> Which is, of course, Baboon. <laughs> there's another one waiting for C. Turtle, which is, of course, C. Turtle, which is stupid in itself. It's good. Uh, and then, of course, Diane has got her sign that says, Dawson's Creek was always bad. <laughs> <laughs> As she waits for Guy with a big smile on her face. We go from there across, finally, to Old Town Horseburg, Michael. And the pasta. Are we going to call on the pasta, the guy who was at the front, giving the ceremony, the sermon, or whatever you want to call yeah, it, the guy at the front. Yeah. Um, right. Having just finished his old horsey service, as he puts it, um, you mentioned it. You mentioned before. He says it to Bojack. Looks like you found some solace in our show. Stay if you like. In thirty minutes, we start over. Of course, a lovely meta nod, a wink and a nod to the show itself. But also, in an episode that's been really lovely and great, Michael. This did this feel like a bit of a like an ominous, evil warning? This like a. It all starts again in 30 minutes. Like, oh, panic at the disco because stuff's about to yeah. happen, my friend. Yes, absolutely um, that. It was it was really weird, wasn't it? Like, mm -hmm. like nice. There's, 
depending on how you read it, and I guess it comes down to the glass half full, glass half empty thing, which may be the time with you. It could be either really nice or really foreboding, I think it's fair to say. But anyway, yeah. if you watch this show long enough, you'll know it's going to be fine. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that's everything for this week's edition of Horsing Around. But we do still have time for one last thing. And I swear to God, we'll shut up about this podcast forever. First or second, Michael Hamlet? You choose this week. I feel like I always get the choice. What would you prefer? I'd prefer that you made the choice. But hey. I'll choose for you. You go first. Why not? <laughs> okay. I'll go first. Mine is from, indeed, that last scene in the church. Oh, wonderful. Only... That makes two of us. Ooh. Oh, well, if we've got the same one, this really knackered it. But I don't think we do. I'd like to think we didn't. It's only a really small one, this. But I, I want to pick up on something you identified earlier on. You noted a callback, brilliant as it was as well, that I didn't spot where Mr. Peanut Butter almost says, a catchphrase that we really appreciated from the early days. What are you doing here? But obviously, mm-hmm. in Bojack's inimitable style. Mm. Um, as the ceremony, or whatever you want to call it, finishes in the church, um, Bojack has only to say, peace be with you, mm. peace be with you, peace be with you. And if you listen back to him delivering that line, at no point does he put emphasis on the word peace. Yes. Yeah. You hear, you hear, Peace be with you. Yeah. Peace be with you. Peace be with you. <laughs> he cannot, as this yeah. is obviously a performance element of the thing, mm. he cannot do it. He still can't act even when it's real. There is not one time where he puts emphasis on the word peace, which is as any normal person would, and indeed as the pastor yeah. instructs him to deliver it. Mm. Please say to the person next to you, peace be with you. Peace be with you. Peace be with you. <laughs> you cannot get it. And I just really appreciated that as something that, of all the changes that Bojack has gone through, being an actor is one you might never <laughs> quite crack. You could say, Michael, it's the missing piece to his acting oh, career. Hey? Oh, I tell you what, sometimes it just comes to you naturally. Sometimes you've got to force it with a hammer. But <laughs> thankfully, I don't have to force my one last thing with a hammer either. We must have both enjoyed a bit of Old Town Horseburg, Michael, because that's exactly where we are for mine. Inside the church, once again, as you were, just a wonderful little thing that I've picked up on. Maybe maybe it's just me, maybe it's not, but it feels like a very specific choice, this, and it can't not be this, in my opinion, because when have you ever been to a church that had these coloured windows, Michael. Now, we've all seen a stained glass window before, right? We've seen them, they're big, they're grandiose, they're fancy. I can't remember a time I've ever looked at a window, Michael, at a church that's been red, tinted red glass. You might even call it rose-coloured glass, Michael. And Because in an episode where everything is lovely and nice and feel good, are we watching it? Through rose-coloured glasses, Michael. And oh. a follow-up question. Because we're watching it through rose-coloured glasses, Michael, have we missed some red flags along the way? <laughs> oh, brilliant. brilliant. Because I don't know anymore now after seeing the end of this episode, because if anybody has forgotten what this is in reference to, go all the way back to season two, when Bojack is, of course, going out with Wanda, and as their relationship comes to a crashing end, and she says she doesn't want to be with someone who's just going to be bad at her because something bad happened to him. We've heard the story before. Same old thing. She says to him, you know, it's funny. When you look at someone through rose-coloured glasses, all the red flags just look like flags. 
So in an episode that has been undoubtedly wonderful and delightful and excellent, is this that, I mean, the guy coming across, the pastor at the end or whatever we're calling him, coming across, felt ominous as well, but that the rose-tinted or the rose-coloured glass there in the church just feels really very specific and they linger. Every shot you see of Bojack in the church, you see the window, the, the rose-coloured window in the background too. It just, it just feels too good to be true, that, doesn't it? That's such a great spot. That's mm. really, really impressive. I love that. I just, it was screaming out to me from the second we saw it. And now Fantastic. everything, and everything is worse now. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, that is the end of our analysis and all of the bits and pieces we have. The only thing that remains to do is, of course, as always, plug our stupid piece of shit podcast. Now, if you've enjoyed it, or if you've heard it, or maybe if you've just nothing did, why not come and give us a follow on social media? Anyway, it's the last season. There's only so many episodes left. Only, what is it now, nine episodes to go? Is that oh, right? Oh, yeah. Nine that's episodes about right, yeah. left. One left of this half of the season, and then eight more mm. to go after that. Um, but yes, please do. Come and give us a follow. Come and talk to us. Send us messages like shares whatever you want on social media at podcast horseman to do all of that good stuff on either twitter or instagram and if you'd like to follow either of your hosts as well you can do just that you can follow me at it's adam nicholas or you can follow michael hamflit at michael hamflit and um, you can get this podcast on apple Podcasts, where we'd love you to subscribe or follow depending on what version you've got on Spotify, where you can follow, on Amazon Music, where you can get us for free, unlike everything else on there, including delivery. They know how to get you. Um, you can pretty much anywhere you can get podcasts, you can get Podcast Horseman, including at Podcast Horseman on Twitter, where every Friday a new episode will be released through Acast. Um, again, screen, uh, stream or subscribe, whatever's sort of easiest for you. I was going to say scream there. I guess some people <laughs> might be doing, because if they've reached the end of this particular episode. Um, <laughs> but if on any of these uh, apps you can leave us a five star review we would love it if you did it gets more people talking themselves also about talking horse and it could get you a listener a star on a hollywood talk of fame which is what it's done for barton keys i, uh, I like this barton keys has kept it short and sweet but we've got a little story to go along with it this is how to set a narrative in almost no words whatsoever <laughs> the other uh, review says great stuff lads it's five stars, and the title of the review is So Good I Booted Up an Ancient iPad and Learned How to Leave Reviews. Thanks very much, Barton Keys. We really yeah. appreciate that. A very well-earned star is on its way to the Hollywood. It's on its way to you very soon. Yes, indeed it is. I always love this idea that you'd have to go to those lengths, because we've all been there where you want to do <laughs> something nice, but suddenly it's longer than it should be, so thank you for doing <laughs> that. And, what, and also, I encourage anybody else, no matter where you're doing it from, even if it's from ye oldie telephone or whatever leave us that five star written review it does help us a great deal and we've seen that in all of the reviews thank you to everybody who does take the time to leave those too but yeah. we've run long so let's just quickly fly across to the synopsis for next week's episode the final episode of this half of Bojack Horseman season 6 before we take the little break again a reminder for everyone next week's episode will be a uh, episode eight and then we'll be having one week's break before we return the following week after mm. that but the netflix synopsis is as follows season six episode eight a quick one while he's away oi oi uh, a reporter digs into the circumstances surrounding sarah lynn's death hollyhock goes to a party in new york city and that is all you're getting but i'm sure it's probably enough to make you want to find out what happens 
on the next episode. But, of course, as always, if you want to find out, Michael, they're going to have to come back. It's a, it's, a, oh, it's a terrible game, the carrot and stick game. But, hey, <laughs> it is what it is. Anyway, with that said, I've been Adam Nicholas. I've been Michael Hamflit. And this has been Podcast Horseman. 